Hello, and welcome to the first official episode of 360 Degrees Hotter. I am your host, Declan Hotter. I have a great episode in store for today. I'm thrilled to share it with you guys. To begin, I will be discussing a few things going on in my life, and after that, I'm thrilled to welcome my longtime friend Jack Aaron as the first official guest on the podcast. Together, we will be discussing the end of history theory and the societal implications made by the movie American Psycho. I hope you guys enjoy. First off, I would like to thank everyone for the support they have given me so far. I have 75 followers on my Instagram account, uh, 14 five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts, and a bunch of you guys have texted me individually giving feedback on the first episode. I I literally cannot be more grateful for this. Um, Everyone has been so accepting and supportive of my endeavor. Uh, I'm really excited to see what comes of this. Alright, so before I get into the meat of the episode, I'd like to thank my new sponsor, Fan Industries, for hooking me and my listeners up with this new deal. If you guys are looking for a new fan, whether it be a ceiling fan, a portable fan, a fan you plug into the wall, any type of fan, just go over to fanindustries.com to get 20% off your next order by using code HOTTER. Again, that is P-H-A-N industries.com to get 20% off your next order of any fan that they are selling. Um by using code HOTTER. Um, yeah, so as you guys could tell, uh, I did not change the intro music to this podcast. A bunch of people texted me telling me that they really liked it. I uh, said so it kind of fit the vibe I was trying to give off, which, you know, is just lighthearted, fun discussion about various topics, uh, depending on each episode. Uh, and to be honest, it's growing on me as well, and it's free, so the factors kept pointing towards keeping it. Um, so yeah, decided to keep it. So I guess that's pretty interesting news. All right, so now I'd like to transition into talking about some of the things that are going on in my life. Uh, firstly, I am currently and surprisingly reading a book called The Idiots by Fedor Dostoevsky. Uh, I do not understand why every single time I say that name, it never rolls off the tongue nicely. You would think that since I take Russian and you know I'm understanding how like these words are supposed to be pronounced, it would roll off the tongue easier, but never does always very difficult for me to say but that's besides the fact um yeah so this book is pretty interesting so far about 150 pages in of the 600 page book it's about my third time reading it or attempting to read it Uh, the first two times i just got really busy with school so i had to drop it and i restarted each time because you know i wanted to comprehend everything i was reading yeah so it's about this guy um he's a prince in russia and he, his family members die, so he's forced to move to Switzerland for that reason, along with the fact that he develops this rare disease, and it's only treatable in Switzerland. Like, that's only where the treatment is available. But unfortunately, after years, his patron dies, so he's forced to move back to Russia um, with no money, no connections, no family member connections, and only with this idea that like one person he knows could be a distant, distant relative with him. So he ends up going to one of the top ranking general's houses in Moscow and is like trying to convince them that he's like their long lost family member. And they're like, no way, that's like not even possible. He ends up convincing them. So he's able to stay with them now. Um, But yeah, so it's pretty interesting so far. That's really only thing that's happened. I wouldn't necessarily necessarily say that it's a dry book it's more like a philosophical debate um in like fedor's mind uh when the in the time period in russia when the book was written there was a real class struggle between the rich and the poor um and so everyone he interacts with is of the rich society and he is of the poor society he has no money um he's not bigger though uh people keep offering him money he's like no no like i don't want to take it um and i'm like well, you can't live off zero rubles, so you might as well take some. But the reason why it's called The Idiot is, um, well, everyone says and calls him The Idiot. They think he is super, super naive when it comes to society. And everything he says, every single bit of advice he gives to each of the characters uh, throughout the book, everyone's just like, oh, you're just a simpleton. You're, you're just the idiot around uh, Moscow. Except this like one girl, her name's Natasha Filipinova. She takes a liking to him. She's like, no, like you guys just like misunderstand him. 
Um, and yeah, that's uh, where I'm at right now. It's a pretty good book. Um, I'm excited to keep continue with it. And I just think that uh, books in general are good to read. Um, the Idiot is not a particular easy read. It's actually pretty hard. Um, but I think it's rewarding in that sense. Uh, you got to make sure you read every word to comprehend exactly what um, Fedor is trying to portray uh, with each character uh, and about society. Uh, one cool tidbit about Fedor is he likes to um, put into his books uh, things he thinks about um, Russian society. And uh, back then, like you weren't really allowed to like outwardly express um, like your discontent with Russian society, but they did like pass laws saying that if it was in a um, fictional sense um, or like a play or something like that, then you were uh, free to really do whatever you wanted with Russian society because it was like just like, oh, it's like a joke. Like you're not being serious, even though Fedor is like pretty serious about everything um, that he said in these books. Uh, the biggest one is uh, crime and punishment. Crime and punishment is. Uh, kind of considered um in everyone's mind like fedor is like um biggest work and uh i bet a lot of people read it in high school if not uh, i definitely think you should read it um if you pay attention closely you can see the knocks that uh, fedor makes at russian society and what he believes is wrong with it and how it should be corrected and i've noticed a lot of that in the idiot so far too it's really interesting uh, stuff to read I'm really into Russian culture and everything, so yeah, that's my little spiel on that. But yeah, um, now moving on to another thing, uh, I've been into movies recently, uh, particularly um, Quentin Tarantino movies. I think he's just like the greatest thing since sliced bread. He makes tremendous movies, and uh, if you guys didn't know, he came out with his ninth film a couple weeks ago called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and it quite honestly might be the greatest movie of all time. I saw it two days after opening uh, night, and then I saw it like a week later with my family members, and it just got better the second time. I just like made so many more connections. It's a long movie, two, and a, two hours and 50 minutes, but to be honest, like you don't even notice that it's almost a three hour long movie. Um, he just jam packs it with great material. Uh, definitely worth the watch. It's loosely based off the Charles Manson and Sharon Tate story. If you guys don't know what that is, uh, Charles Manson killed Sharon Tate um, back in the uh, late 60s. Sharon Tate was an actress at the time, and uh, Charles Manson killed her. Both characters are in the movie, but you know it's kind of loosely based off it. It's like in there, but it's definitely not the main um, uh, theme of the movie. But yeah, so I'm going to actually not talk about it as much as I wanted to right now. Uh, next guest um, I'm having on the show is a film major, and we're going to go into a deep dive on uh, Quentin Tarantino movies. Uh, he's really into them, kind of discuss uh, the, each person or each movie in depth a little bit and uh, kind of compare it to like Martin Scorsese, um, stuff like that. I think those two guys are just like, out of this world in directing so really excited for that um it's gonna be it's gonna be a good podcast i also have another buddy coming on and we're gonna discuss um something else i will not uh, spill the tea on that one yet but uh, it's gonna be a really interesting topic so excited for both of those and you guys should be too all right now just a little bit about sports um the yankees are just absolutely killing it this year I could not be happier with the season that we're having right now. Um, they're killing pretty much every single team in the MLB. It's awesome baseball to watch. It's really exciting. This team looks significantly better than last year's team, and I thought we had a great team last year. And it's not even like the biggest guys on the team that are just performing like outstandingly. Like Aaron Judge is like doing well. He's in a little slump right now, but. It's guys like Gio Urshela, who we picked up off the waiver wire. Like the Blue Jays and Indians couldn't even find a place for him on his their team, and then now he's could be competing for the AL batting title if he, uh, you know, gets the right number of plate appearances up there. Um, just killing it. Um, they keep calling it like the next man up. Like who's up next? Uh, we got this guy named like Mike Talkman 
Like he's just a rookie, just killing it. Gio Urshela, like I already mentioned, DJ LeMayu, who everyone knew he was good, but no one was going to know that he was going to be this good for the Yankees. Like he was good on the Rockies, but Jesus, he's just been incredible. Luke Voigt's been doing great. DD's been doing great. Gleyber Torres, you know, 22 years old. He's been incredible. Gary said Sanchez has been awesome. Um, Aaron Hicks, Cameron Mabin, just all around great performances from everyone on the Yankees organization. I mean, the pitching uh, is lacking right now, but, um, you know, when we get Seve back and Batanzas, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a special season for us. And uh, other news, I know that, you know, most of my listeners aren't going to be Yankees fans. Uh, the NFL is back, and I cannot be more excited for that. The NFL is my favorite time of the year. Um, the Steelers are my favorite team to watch. Uh, actually, Notre Dame football is my favorite team to watch, you know, because I get to watch them in person almost every week. So that's awesome. They're also back. Uh, so I'm excited for that. NBA schedules just got announced for this year. So excited for the Lakers to, you know, step up. We had a bad six-year run right now, but we got the team. This could be something special too. Uh, we've been through a lot in the last six years, so I'm hoping that, um, you know, we can get something special out of this, even if it's at this point, I'll, I'll just be happy if we make the playoffs. All right. I won't actually just be happy if we make the playoffs. We're, we're a better team than that, but um, yeah. So that's a little update on sports and just some final updates on my life. Um, just finished work for the summer. I worked down uh, with a couple of my buddies at this firm called Constitution Capital Partners. It was a, it's a private equity firm in Andover, Mass. It was a great experience overall. Couldn't be happier. Um, worked with my roommate, Jake Cahill, great guy. Griffin Gilday, shout out to him, great guy. Kyle Faddis, just all great guys all around. Um, very fun time working with them this summer. Um, yeah, great experience, great learning curve uh, for me. And um, excited to, you know, start applying for new jobs next summer, looking for some stuff in like, you know, the consulting industry. Uh, so yeah, I got to prepare for that, but I'm excited for that too. All right. And as a last um, life update, going back to school in less than two weeks, going to be a junior at Notre Dame. Uh, really should be a good semester in store for me. Um, and, you know, everyone at Notre Dame, uh, it seems like everyone thrives there. Everyone has a good time. Um, but for me in particular, uh, I'm taking five classes again this semester. I'm taking two Russian classes, one language and one literature. Um, really, really going to be two good classes. Um, going to hone in on my language skills uh, for Russian. That'll be that'll be a lot of fun. Um, you know, the goal is bilingual C. So, you know, one step closer by taking these classes then the Russian literature class will be will be good too. Um, kind of see, look into more, a more in-depth dive into like Russian society, see uh, what they're about. Um, then taking an accounting class, just uh, picked up that accounting minor. Um, so I got to take that first class for that. Uh, so it should be good for there. Taking an economics class called taxation and global economy. Um, yeah, I don't really know what that one's going to entail i mean obviously taxation in a global economy but you know taxes are a big debate in today's society so interested to see what that class is about and then uh, my final class is a philosophy class um which i'd say i'm most closet um excited about i'm not like outwardly excited about it um because i don't know it seemed like the uh people around campus or you know, just in general, don't really hype up philosophy, but I'm, you know, closet excited about that because I've been listening to um, a bunch of philosophers speak recently. Um, so, you know, I'm interested to see what that class has in store for me. And um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's it for these uh, life updates. Um, yeah, I'd like to just quickly apologize for, you know, all the uh, changes in loudness of my voice. I uh, still getting used to talking behind this mic. Um, you know, it's a pretty daunting task. It doesn't seem like it is, but that's pretty nerve wracking. Even though I'm not speaking in front of an audience now, um, you know, I, it feels like I am. Uh, just got got to make sure it's perfect for each one of my listeners. 
so if I mess up in uh, what I'm saying, um, I cut the clip and you know, it's kind of hard to mimic the exact um, decibel my, I was speaking at from the last clip and the new clip. So little changes there, but um, you know, trying to keep this as fluid as possible. Um, you know, as I keep practicing, um, I'll get better at, you know, talking through that and not being, or not having to cut uh, each clip. Uh, yeah, so now that that's done, um, I'm going to introduce my, you know, good buddy Jack Aaron for the um, next segment as my first guest in this podcast. Really excited for that. We're talking about the um, end of history theory again, as I mentioned before, and um, the societal implications that um, American Psycho makes. Uh, really excited about these two topics. Um, going to be a good discussion. I think uh, it'll be very rewarding, and I think uh, that everyone after the listen will be interested in learning more about them, and uh, I'd be happy to uh, guide you guys in the right direction if you guys are interested in learning more about them, especially the uh, end of history one. This, this is going to be a really good topic. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce my first uh, guest on this podcast, Jack Aaron. All right, so I'm here with my good friend Jack Aaron. Uh, what's up, Jack? What's up? Um, all right, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, where do you go to school? Um, I go to University of Connecticut in Storrs, Connecticut. All right, that sounds pretty good. You know, Huskies living, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, what are you majoring in? I'm a computer science major. All right, how is that? Uh, I love it. I love it at that school, and I I like the program so far. That's good. What's your uh, What's your favorite class so far? Uh. I'd have to say it was a CS class. I liked uh, data structures and object-oriented design because that was like the most coding I did, mm -hmm. and that's what interests me the most. So. All right, what what languages do you know? Uh, Python, Java, C, C++, so mostly. Like, if I gave you a test right now, like you'd be able to like master it. Could you teach me it? I think I could teach you definitely some <laughs> basics, but I don't know about a test and mastering it. <laughs> what my uh, my. Uh, econometrics teacher last semester just like always like told us something about himself like before each class that yeah. was an absolute clown i love that guy he was so funny <laughs> he was like yeah so just teaching myself python right now oh. like and i'm like all right you're like a 60 year old <laughs> man I, I love this that, that's great i mean it's a baller move everybody should definitely learn some sort of code at some point in their life so. yeah i was thinking the same thing i was thinking you know even just like getting like python for dummies would be kind of cool yeah, just no. just learn coding it's kind of prevalent now it's even the economics field seems like it's going to be uh something that's useful knowledge you know yeah definitely um all right what's your least favorite class least favorite class um also in the cs department Ooh, okay i took intro to computer architecture and we had to learn an assembly language which is so like python and c are high level languages and then binary is like a low level language assembly is the thing between binary and high level languages and it was absolutely garbage. How come? We just like simple things like adding variables together was not one line of code. It would be like five lines of code. It was so awful and tedious. <laughs> Do you think that if I used my Python skills that Drew Chase taught me in physics senior year, I'd be able to take the classes you take right now? I don't think so. <laughs> I think they might be a little too much for you, but. <laughs> All right, you never know. So where do you work this summer? Um, I work at Analog Devices in Wilmington, Mass. Okay, and what you do there, is it uh, a reflection of what you're learning in school right now? Somewhat. I knew I learned a new language for this job. Um, what language did you learn from Perl. It's like pretty much a dead language. It's low-key like the Latin of uh Oh, so right now. can you take the, the what you learned in Latin in Sapson's <laughs> class, the dead language of Latin, and put it towards this Perl language? Uh, no, <laughs> definitely not. Uh, that was a totally different story, but kind of similar with the fact that Perl is a dead language. It's just, I don't know, the introduction to that language. It's similar to Python, but it's like so uh, old mm -hmm. that it's not as useful in today's world. Gotcha. What do you think the most useful language is right now? Uh, right now, everybody's on the Python train. Everyone's on Python. I heard that Python's kind of like a more basic 
Yeah, um, it's actually language? it's probably the easiest language probably. to learn. Interesting. Okay, good to know. Um, do you want to do something similar to that after you graduate? Something you're doing like right now in the summer? Yes, I mean not exactly what I'm doing right now because right now I'm a computer aid design and research and development intern, mm-hmm. and I don't really care as much about computer aid design i'm more into actually coding and developing software because that's going to be my concentration at uconn too so gotcha um that's awesome what else have you done this summer um not much hung out with friends a lot talked about life nice good 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 amount of times yeah or anything interesting about life um a couple videos i watched yeah, yeah just general stuff all right cool so I had you watch um, American Psycho for this. Um, what was your overall opinion of the movie? I enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed it. It was uh, it was definitely confusing, mm-hmm. um, but I enjoyed that aspect of it being completely mind blowing, basically. Yeah. And I thought the main actor was performing really well. So. Yeah, Christian Bale did a good job. Yeah. Uh, it's a good thing that you brought up that it was like kind of confusing because this uh, movie was based off a book. And the uh, author um, kind of left it open to interpretation, like the, the way he wanted the book to be written, or well, the way he wrote it, was he wanted like an ambiguous end and kind of just a lot of thought that could be put into it, like uh, your own thoughts. Okay. Uh, so he left it ambiguous, and um, the director of it also said that she, she kind of was like aiming for the same type uh, of like ambiguity yeah it's kind of harder in a movie because everything's visualized like if you have a book yeah uh you're reading it so then it's like all pictures in your head yeah exactly um and even like if a book's kind of straightforward everyone has their own interpretation of it Mm -hmm. um but with a movie it's like right there in front of you so it's kind of hard to interpret everything but Mm -hmm. um yeah i thought it was a pretty good book originally i hated it Uh, (laughs) or movie sorry originally i hated it I was like, this is the worst directing I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, I was like, this had so much potential to be a great movie. But then I was like, you know what? It really can't be that bad. Like Christian Bale, like, is not gonna say yes to like a bad movie like yeah, this. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so I like, I looked up a bunch of reviews and everything, and I was like, wait, like, this is so much deeper than I thought it was. Yeah. Um, all right. So, what do you think the were the biggest knocks at society in this movie? Uh, definitely knocking at corporate life. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of people not really caring about their jobs, even though they're making a ton of money and they're kind of just going through life very mundanely. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was, that's, I, I noticed that too. Um, everyone was like so narcissistic. It was kind of like a huge, like knock at wall street. Yeah. I don't know if you notice like on everyone's business cards, it, it was just everyone's name and it yeah. said vice president mergers and acquisitions. Everyone was a merger and acquisition yeah. vice president. Yeah. And you know, that's just not like the reality of life. So everyone yeah. is kind of like losing their identity and, you know, focused in on one thing. Like everyone was just becoming homogenized. Like, yeah. And, uh back when the movie was made in the early 2000s like i think that was like a real scare of everyone like everyone's like oh like wall street's becoming like this big entity yeah you know and everyone's becoming the same person and everybody wanted to go to that same restaurant and everyone thought that one restaurant was like the best thing in the world but everyone wanted to go there so yeah everyone was like focused on like uh, the material things yeah exactly Um, like the dorsey reservations the valentino suits Mm -hmm. the oliver people's glasses yeah you know all right. I mean, it's pretty materialistic, but all of our people's glasses are nice. They're nice. Same <laughs> I mean, with the suits, They're right? nice. They're nice, but they were all focused on the exact same things. Like, there's differences in clothing and people, and that's yeah. what makes people different anyway. So, like... Yeah. And they were so hung up in themselves, they didn't um, care about anyone else. And I bring up this because uh, there's two instances I'm thinking of in the movie. The first one was when he was in that bar... And he was talking to the strippers, and he was like, yeah, like, I'm into murders and executions. Yeah. And she was like, oh, yeah, I have a couple buddies in that. Like, and I'm just like, oh, really, that's interesting. Like, you're so self-centered that you didn't even notice yeah, that exactly. he said murders and executions. And the, the other one was when he was with uh, his girlfriend at the end of the movie, and he's like, I need to uh, participate in homicidal behavior at a massive rate. Yeah, to, yeah. Like, do it. And she was like, um, so, like, tell me about your day. And he's just like... Did you just hear what I said? I, 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 I said I needed to, to perform homicidal behavior in order to <laughs> fulfill my needs. And just, like, other things, like, um, he had, like, Chainsaw Massacre. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
the back when he was like doing crunches like one time yeah like okay and just other things like when he actually kills the people mm-hmm. so this will bring up another good thing uh when he actually kills the people like for instance when he kills that one with the chainsaw in yeah. the uh stairwell like when he drops it on her from yeah. like a million feet in the air first of all would not hit her yeah that's a fact <laughs> uh, and second of all um why did no one come out of their apartment too. Yeah. Like why there's no, no she's completely running through the halls, screaming, knocking, knocking on doors, yeah. and nobody is there at all. And she runs down a stairwell, still screaming her lungs, yeah. her lungs out, and yeah. she gets to the bottom and just gets killed by a chainsaw. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty interesting. And actually, now I'm thinking another part where people are just so self-centered is he's told called his lawyer. And he's like, oh, yeah, he's yeah, like, yeah. yeah, like I killed like all these people, confesses everything. And then he sees him in um, like a restaurant the next day. And he's like, yeah, no, like I had dinner with Paul Allen in London two days ago. Yeah. And he's like, no, like I, I killed Paul Allen. Yeah. And he's just like, no, you didn't like get away from me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this brings up uh, another good point of do you think that Patrick Bateman actually killed all of those people? Or do you think it was in his head? I, uh, I mean, it seems like it was in his head, but it seemed so real at the same time. I guess that's kind of the point um, of the movie and the book itself is to make you think that all this stuff is happening when it's not. Mm. But it just, the way he acted, he seemed so psychotic and it seemed so believable mm. that he could do all those things. Mm-hmm. But at the end, when uh, he goes into that apartment, he hung up the bodies in. Mm-hmm. And then they're not mm. there. And the woman is just like, what are you doing here? Get out. Yeah, but, but she was acting a little weird about it, she too. She was very weird about it, right? So that throws a, throws throws me for a loop, I guess. But I, I feel like it couldn't have happened because of how the lawyer reacted when, as you said earlier, when he told uh, him he killed Paul Allen. Mm-hmm. But that woman acting weird in the apartment mm-hmm. kind of just again threw me for a loop yeah so what i think about that is um the uh i i do think that he killed at least paul allen so okay. did you like notice like kind of halfway through the movie it kind of switched from i don't know like normal narcissistic and like borderline personality disorder like interactions and then when he uh was at the atm and it was like feed me the stray cat everything kind of just like went like ape shit yeah there. yeah i mean yeah it went from like okay he's killed a couple people to like yeah absolute insanity yeah and i think so what i think is uh he may have killed at least paul allen um but now thinking about it again it's there is multiple times in the movie when they mistook people for other yeah. people like when yeah, he's sitting yeah, down yeah. showing the business card some guy calls him some other guy that walked into the room yeah he kind of like plays it off like he was that guy yeah um so what if he didn't kill paul allen he actually killed someone else mm, right yeah. um but then i definitely think that after the scene where he's like feed me the atm's like feed me the stray cat he didn't kill any of those people because let me know how he just acquired those handguns <laughs> it's a facts and then he with a handgun he just single-handedly blew up a police car yeah facts <laughs> right um and he also killed that guy in the hotel or like wherever that was the apartment the, complex yeah and he just ran into a room and then there were like helicopters yeah saying get down on your knees or whatever and yeah. then nothing happened yeah so. so yeah i think i think it's i think it's definitely an interesting topic um one thing that the director said of the movie i was watching the interview that she had and she was actually kind of pissed she was like no like i did not mean for it to be like that ambiguous like he <laughs> killed all those people huh so wow but everyone like especially on the reddit page for like movies um and everything was like no like it's actually not that like you're taking it not seriously enough like you're mm. making it not ambiguous enough and whatnot so yeah um yeah so one thing i found was interesting too was that um paul allen was in the movie and paul allen was the uh, creator or one of the founders of microsoft 12 mm-hmm. years before and I, I didn't dive this far into this but you know maybe paul allen could have loosely been pissed <laughs> off over paul allen in real life right what do you think about that i mean i think that's that's definitely supposed to represent something about corporate life in general mm-hmm. because it's just 
a huge name mm-hmm. that's easy to throw in there. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think it's actually based off of Paul Allen as if, like, yeah. he was involved in a bunch of murders and everything. Right, but, right. Like, I definitely think it could be a loose representation. Yeah, okay. Um, good. Do you have anything else that you want to say about this movie? Uh, besides the fact that Christian Bale absolutely killed it. Yeah, he did. He did. A, he did do a good job, didn't he? Yeah, I I really enjoyed his performance, to be honest. Yeah, he did. I I didn't I didn't look this up, but I wonder if he like won anything for it. Like that's a good question. Cause um he he did great. Like it, I find it amazing every single time I watch a movie. Um, how these actors like actually act like this well. Cause yeah, uh, I I finished Seinfeld the other day, <laughs> and the last episode garbage. The last episode was garbage, but that's not what I wanted to say. Um. <laughs> They kind of showed uh, the set and them just kind of like interacting, not while being filmed and everything. Yeah. And I'm just like, there are so many people there, and like they did like a great job. Like I feel like this was like real. Like, yeah. You know? And like yeah. especially with this American Psycho thing, like the way they shoot the cameras and mm-hmm. everything, like it's amazing to me that like these actors have performed this well. I mean, this is mm-hmm. why they get paid millions, and I'm not an actor. But <laughs> uh, yeah, so I guess that was good. Um, yeah, so let's move on to the next topic, uh, which is uh, the end of history. And I want to make a little distinction uh, for some people, some clarifying things, is the end of history is completely different than the end of the world. Uh, the end of the world is what everyone in 2012 uh, believed and uh, during the turn of the century, like that the world would blow up, like that the Mayan calendars uh, predicted or they stopped in 2012, so something, something catastrophic was going to happen. Like, the world was going to end, and, you know, we had that movie, 2012, which I'm going to bring up later. Mm-hmm. But, like, massive floods. Um, they had to build all these ships. They had to wait for the sea levels to come down. Yeah. Um, like, huge, huge mass extinction things were going to happen. But that is completely different than the end of history. The end of history um, is something that has kind of come up since the end of the Cold War. Uh, by this guy named Francis Fukuyama, who claims that, like, uh, ideology um, and progress was just going to come to, like, a halt. Yeah. Uh, So that is what we're talking about um, with the end of history. So, Jack, I had you um, watch a video uh, on Terrence McKenna's rendition of the end of history. So just give me a little opinion on that. Like, what do you think about that? I thought it was really interesting, and I also thought... um it's definitely possible with Mm -hmm. what he was talking about with history ending around our time. I'm pretty sure he said 2012 and, but that was a coincidence. We'll talk about that later too. Um, no, I don't, I don't even think it was a coincidence uh, and and I'll, and I'll talk about, I don't think it was a coincidence. Okay. Okay. Um, but I definitely thought it was interesting and I kind of agreed with it because Mm -hmm. definitely ideas Mm -hmm. and new things slow down after some time like we've had we had the technology boom in like you know the 80s and everything with Mm -hmm. the internet and back in the 50s people were saying like the future is gonna have flying cars and all Mm -hmm. that stuff but once we got to the 80s people still thought we would have flying cars in the future in like the 2000s but here we are and we still haven't really developed that kind of Mm -hmm. stuff and it's because of like everybody looks at technology as something that can explode super fast. Mm -hmm. Um, But it kind of goes slow if you look at it from afar, like with iPhones and everything. Mm -hmm. Like we made a huge jump to smartphones, but since smartphones have come out, there hasn't been that much difference in new iPhones and new Samsung Galaxies and everything like that. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Um, I I was listening to this podcast uh, Eric Weinstein had Peter Thiel on. Um, they're just two guys, like mathematicians yeah. and whatnot. Really, really intelligent guys. And they both kind of, um, they didn't explicitly say like the end of history, but they've talked about like the slowing of ideology, especially mm-hmm. since uh, the 70s, like mid 70s to late 70s is kind of like when they like pinpoint the slowing of technology. Like, like yeah. you said, like the internet um, yeah. was a big thing, but like, to be completely honest, like I don't think like the iPhone is as revolutionary as like the internet. Yeah. Like you know, so people kind of use the argument that like, oh, like, the iPhone, eh, uh, it's been great. Like we're making like all these technological advancements. I'm like, but comparatively, it's not. Like it's yeah. not. It's not really that um, mind blowing. Exactly. Um, 
Yeah, so one thing that I would like to talk about is why did you think it was coincidental that 2012 uh, was the year that Terrence McKenna quote-unquote picked, you know? Like, that was his year. It wasn't, it's not like he quote picked it. It's yeah. just, it's just kind of hard to see the d- distinction in the fact that uh, he quote picked 2012. Uh, he did a lot of math, I guess, with the having of time and everything and how ideas ideas were slowing down um, up until then. And in 2012, obviously the mind calendar quote ended. Um, but I, th- I think that was uh, a coincidence, not uh, on purpose or anything like that, because I don't know, it's just hard to believe mm-hmm. i guess mm-hmm. so here's my thing with that is I, i'm so i'm still a little fuzzy on what year he chose to pick the starting like the having it was like divided by like 642 or something like that. yeah or was it having it was like divided by 62 i think it was that was like what he did he 64 divided, 64 he divided everything like years by 64 mm-hmm. um and then he ended up at 2012, right? Yeah. And I kind of, I don't think it's like the slowing of ideologies is necessarily what he was saying was, but what I think it was, was he was kind of saying that here is a time period and let's take everything that happened in that time period, right? Um, so at the end, it was like, he said that in the last hour in, or minute, it was either an hour in 34 or a minute in 34 yeah. or 35, um, most things were going to happen in that time um and then like we're gonna kind of like get washed out into like this new um sort of like history if you want to call it uh and i think it i think i think he is right in that sense um because if you think about it we just agreed on the fact that uh technological advancements kind of halted in the 70s and 80s and he would agree with you on that he would think that like that was a big time period that happened right there and a lot happened um and then nothing's really happened ever since. And then we're entering a time period now where it's like the beginning of the history again. So we're going to be stuck in this like long history where he said that I think it was like 72 million years, right? It was the first history or something like 72 mm-hmm. billion years. I'm, I'm using false numbers right here. So don't <laughs> quote me on them. But he was talking about how nothing really happened in those times. Yeah. And we're at a point right now where a lot has happened in the past, but we can't get any further than that. So we're going to have, like, the same, you know, advancement as, mm-hmm. like, the first 72 histories, like, comparatively. Obviously, like, the stuff we're going to have advance is no- nowhere near, like, what happened in the dinosaurs age. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess that's my little take on that. Uh, so 2012 is the interesting year that we're talking about right now, mm-hmm. right? Do you feel that your life has changed since 2012? Yes, but not in the sense of, like, things are slowing down. I think we're just perfectly timed. Mm-hmm. Our generation is perfectly timed to think that 2012 mm-hmm. is, like, the slowing because of <clears throat> us growing up. Okay. Because, like, as a kid, you see all these new things and you feel all these new emotions and everything like that. But mm-hmm. then they kind of, I guess they kind of get old mm-hmm. um, because you've already experienced them. But when you're so young, you're experiencing so many different new things. And then the new things kind of slow down, kind of like how technology did too, mm-hmm. where it went from like, whoa, the internet connected everyone in the world and everything like that to, okay, everybody has an iPhone. Right. Um, but why does like each generation not kind of come up with this, uh, you know, change of emotions right so it's only people that kind of i don't know we didn't like hit adulthood in 2012 but like we kind of started maturing then like seven years ago i was 12 like that's beginning of puberty right so like everything changed um and like our bodies and everything but why did like the generation before us not you know say this year history kind of ended like everyone's pinpointing 2012 as that year I don't know. It, you know, the collection of the Mayan calendar, right? Like, do you think, this, is this back to the fact that, you know, Terrence McKenna could have just, like, picked a year that happened uh, to be like, oh, and the Mayan calendar ended. Because let's uh, remember, like, Terrence McKenna said this in, like, 
the early 1990s. Like no one really talked about the Mayan calendar ending until a couple of years leading up to 2012. So he could have known that the Mayan calendar ended in 2012, but like it wasn't really that big of a discussion point until a couple of years before, you know? Yeah. Um, going back a little bit with what you said about our generation being the one yeah. that has noticed this, I guess. I think that's mostly due to the fact that we have such large communication ability mm -hmm. um, and we have a lot of ways of expressing our thoughts and ideas now mm -hmm. and a lot of things that people think about don't seem as crazy anymore. Like, okay. if you said in the 50s or something the same kind of theory, mm -hmm. I feel like people would look down on you kind of like mm. how way back in the day with Aristotle and everything in the sun. Okay. I that's think. a pretty inter I think that's a pretty interesting point actually because um, I think a lot of new things that are like kind of brought out even today are just like everyone are easily shot down hmm. uh, you know um, and this kind of brings it back I want to I don't want to get too political but I want to bring politics into it like a little bit mm -hmm. um, I see this in today's political culture mm -hmm. where um, people care more about like the minuscule things that are going on yeah uh, that literally have like no effect on anything yeah and this huge 15 minutes of fame thing is the biggest thing ever right now. Like we yeah. only care about certain events for so long. Yeah. Right. Um, we're waiting for the next thing to happen. Like something happens. We, we, we kind of like think we kind of want something to happen more than it actually we care about it actually happening. Yeah. Like once it actually happens, people stop caring about it. Yeah. And this kind of like ropes back into like the end of ideology. We're not thinking about anything. We're just taking everything in and not, yeah. you know, s stepping back and uh, thinking about um, what actually happened, uh, the effects that it has on society and everything. So that's why, again, I could kind of make the connection of like the slowing down of time, not literally, yeah. but like figuratively. Um, I think that yeah. focus on small things is the reason that things like what we're talking about are more accepted today because people hear these new crazy things mm -hmm. and they're like, oh wow, something new. Mm -hmm. and then they want to get hooked on that and then they get hooked on it for you know like 15 minutes like you said and then it goes away mm -hmm. and that's the thing that's what people are so interested in nowadays with the 15 minutes of fame you get to look at something as brand new as you once did as a kid okay and you're like oh my god i'm experiencing something new again this is an amazing feeling and then it goes away and you're waiting for the next thing to happen yeah um i definitely think it's like an interesting thing to talk about but um my an, another thing like i kind of want to bring up is the fact that like philosophers are kind of like non-existent now right yeah so like that's another thing with my uh point about um like ideology like no one cares about like about, like actual ideology anymore yeah and like how many phil uh, philosophers and like political theorists do you know like from this century? Yeah, I really don't know a lot, and I just took a philosophy class. Over exactly. Summer, so exactly, um, like no one, no one. I feel like no one really wants to like talk to them. No one kind of run, it gives them their fifteen minutes of fame. Yeah. Um, but I, I personally think those are, like the most important people to talk about. Um, yeah. Because, like, none of these questions have simple answers. Mm -hmm. Whether it be like immigration reform, gun violence. Mm -hmm. uh, even taxes, like, yeah. No, who the hell knows anything about taxes? No one knows anything about taxes. Yeah. Like, you, you want to say you do, but like, you don't actually know anything about taxes. Like, they they require like much more thought, and um, like, people, especially politicians, like, kind of want to claim that they're know-it-alls about everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, like I know exactly this. Like, everyone just throws out numbers, and you, everyone yeah. thinks that if you throw out a number, you, you seem smart. You seem smart, right? I was listening to um. Uh, Joe Rogan had uh, Bernie Sanders on, <laughs> and I was listening to it at the beginning. And you know, Bernie's a, Bernie's a nice guy. You know, he's down to earth, but mm -hmm. like he was just throwing out numbers and pretending like they're supposed to mean something, yeah. right? He, uh, I don't know. I, I just think um, that philosophers are important. You know, political theorists are important because if we think back to centuries before us, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say like um, the 20th century because like those are 
like the Andrew Carnegie, like all those guys, mm-hmm. like all the industrial people. Mm-hmm. Um, those are like the most famous people. But if you go back further than that, like as you keep going back further in history, like philosophers and like more like open-minded people were like the most famous. Yeah. You know, and then we've kind of delved into more like niche mm-hmm. famous people. Um, like, come on, like the Kardashians are famous. Man. Yeah. Like what yeah. are they Bad actually? Bad baby's famous. Yeah. Like what are they actually add to society? Like, <laughs> I mean, Kylie Jenner is, you know, very good looking, but like, come on, like how does she make that much money and whatnot? Yeah. I think we're losing sight of what actually needs to be focused on. Um, which I think is what they were talking about, like with the end of ideology, we're like entering mm-hmm. this like time period where, um, we kind of step back, you know, yeah. we're kind of just, uh, looking at the things from a, a high, higher view, you know? Yeah. That's how I feel about social media Oh yeah, yeah. today because of, uh, like Twitter, you're mm-hmm. getting all this information at once and it's kind of just like information overload for your brain. Mm-hmm. And like most people, when they're scrolling through Twitter, maybe they'll laugh at something, but they don't like really take anything in Mm -hmm. they don't think about what they see and if they see a headline they'll like retweet it immediately yeah i do that myself sometimes i do do it too definitely but like you're not supposed to do that you're supposed to go in and understand what things are about and look deeper into things because that's what we should be doing as humans to progress in society yeah but none of us do that because everything's at the tip of our fingers Mm -hmm. and nobody really cares about things that take a lot of thought because that's too much effort yeah exactly I, i totally agree with that um one thing that, uh, as I grow older, I, I, I always want to become like an academic, but it's not cool anymore to become like an academic yeah. and like sit there and study for like a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's partly, we're kind of getting a little off topic, but I, I love it. So um, <laughs> we're, it's kind of in part um, like college's faults, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I'm going to um, reference is I was listening to uh, a Stanford a PhD um, graduate mm-hmm. and for the economics department and he was talking about how it's really really cynical like what they do like it's really bad what the Stanford especially the Stanford uh, PhD program does is they get like around 10 candidates a year for their economics program okay. they pick three like so a PhD program is six to eight years and mm-hmm. they pick three of those 10 candidates that are going to like progress in the academic world mm-hmm. and then the other seven are just like pretty much left to die yeah Left to die is like a pretty harsh thing that they're obviously not going to die, but like, no, I get you. Um, but the thing is you don't know what those three people are, but they're picking them after the first year. So like those three Hmm. people are going to have academic positions for life. Wow. But the other seven are screwed and they don't even know it. They don't even know it. And so what Stanford thinks Stanford, he's like coming from like two different perspectives. Like Stanford's like, no, this is like a good way to do it. Um, because it kind of breeds competition Mm. because you don't know which one of you it is yeah and they don't like necessarily know that it's like three people but like now that you can like look it up like mm-hmm. so, someone said this um but like no it's like bad you're sitting there you're wasting six to eight years of your life yeah and you're not being able to know. get this yeah um yeah so to get back on track about the, the end of history and everything uh francis fukuyama kind of uh is getting a little heat uh from everyone now because he's like Everyone's like, no, like history didn't end yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if they do believe it, they believed it's a different point than what he said. Um, he claims that in his book, The End of History and The Last Man, that the that history ended when the Berlin Wall fell. Mm-hmm. Right? He claims that as the last big political or like ideology shift of all time. Because if you really think about it, it is a huge ideological thing. Like, the West defeated the East. Like, yeah. when that Berlin Wall fell, like, the West defeated the East. And that's huge. Yeah. Um, but ever since um, the past few years, like, I, I kind of see this, too, that, like, Western civilization is kind of falling. Mm-hmm. Not, like, I don't want to... They're not going to get, like, run over anytime soon. Like, definitely not in our lifetime. Yeah. But, like, it's, like, on the decline and people are more critical of it. Mm-hmm. Which, in my opinion, I don't see why. Like, like it's very, like, very democratic. Like, so much, like anyone can say anything right? yeah like and no one can get in trouble like if you go to eastern civilizations like like saudi arabia like people get like women just like were allowed to drive like two years ago like come on yeah. like how like how is that like how is that like a lab like they can't yeah. even go out like without a man anymore i'm pretty sure yeah. like that law just got passed where they can like <clears throat> come on like i don't know um so my question to you is do you think that the berlin the fall of the berlin wall was the last great thing like last great historical event to happen 
If not, what is? I don't think it was necessarily the Berlin Wall falling, but it kind of depends on what you justify as the last great event in uh, history, Mm -hmm. I guess, because right now there's a lot of talk about another world war coming up with like the Middle Eastern countries and everything between uh, the U.S. and them and possibly the British and everything. Mm -hmm. But if another war were to happen, then wouldn't another event like that have to happen in the end? That is, that's actually a really good point, um, because if you think about it, both world wars ended with something like a huge turning point like that. Yeah, So exactly. I personally think that, um, like, everyone like kind of quotes, like, 9-11 as another huge political or, like, ideological changing event, but to be completely honest, like, what really changed after, like, 9-11, like... Not like, much. I- I- ideological-wise, like, obviously, yeah. like, things happened in America, um the east hates hated the west but like even after the cold war that was still the same thing like yeah ever since you know um the british were involved in afghanistan western they've hated western civilization they've hated yeah. they've been chanting i hate the united states for like years. years like yeah. I, I i don't even like remember like when they started doing it yeah so that was just like i think a an event in a long standing like battle between ideologies i don't think it changed anything and yeah so that's why i don't think bringing up like 9-11 is a particular good case um case for disproving uh fukuyama's argument about the end of history because the berlin wall was completely different than i had completely different outcome than what 9-11 did you know so yeah that's just my thing on that yeah i i definitely agree with you um people that say 9-11 is the most recent event that would uh disprove that kind of theory i I don't understand why people would say that when it, as you said, it really didn't change much. Mm -hmm. Um, And it wasn't hugely significant in ideology and political ideology because we were already kind of uh, at war with the East and everything Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, It was kind of just a way for America to pinpoint what we can do about people not liking us. Yeah. Because once they attacked us, we were like, okay, we can attack them back. Yeah, I think it changed um, our perspective on the ideological war and how we could, you know, combat it. But, like, it didn't... Like, Russia changed after... Yeah, exactly. ...the world and wall felt. Like, they became, like, a democratic society. Well, democratic, I use that very, term very loosely. Very like, loosely, very, they, very loosely. They do still they do have a government that is kind of similar to ours, but, again, very, very loosely. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so... I honestly can't think of anything else like as big as um, 9-11 that we could argue for right now. Yeah. Um, I mean... I, I wouldn't think of anything either. Yeah. Th- th- That's again, like th- the closest thing that you can get to it, but it's really not even close if you look at it comparatively. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, again, like with his... Uh, the slowing of history thing. Yeah. Know, the slowing of time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's pretty, pretty interesting. I know we brought this up before um, with uh, when we brought up like the political, like the media and everything and the political commentary, but um, one of the guys that kind of was with Fukuyama was um, Boudreri, um, say that name is so wrong, he's a French philosopher, <laughs> or, um, and he kind of talks about the end of history as well, and a, a good quote I found in one of his writings was, events age so rapidly, they're born before they exist and die before they have lived. Mm. And that's kind of like the 15 minutes of fame yeah. that we're talking about. Like, we care so much about something before it actually happens. Yeah. And then when it happens, we don't care about it anymore. For example, this is bringing it down to like, like a happier level, like sports, right? Mm-hmm. When the Super Bowl happens every year, I like so pumped for it like mm-hmm. no matter who's in it just kidding if the Patriots in it i want to die <laughs> but whoever's in it like i care so much i'm like holy crap the super bowl's coming up and like i get this like feeling in my body i'm just like i'm so happy for this mm-hmm. but then after it happens like the next day if my team's especially if my team's not in it mm-hmm. i don't care yeah like it happened yeah exactly and it lived for the three hours that it lived that it was played and yeah. that is it um so i it, you can think about that for even just like everyday political events that we see, um, everyone's waiting for the next thing to happen. 
Yeah, uh, even when music is coming out. Oh, yeah. And everything like that. Like, an artist will say they're dropping an album, and everyone gets super hyped for it. And then the album comes out, and maybe, I don't know, it lives for a week. Yeah. And then it's gone. Especially with rap. Yeah. I think... Well, that, I think rap artists are putting out too many albums. I agree and, with that. Um, I think there's too many rappers. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Right? Like, yeah. I don't know. Not yeah. all of them are good. People yeah. can like some of them, but maybe some of them should say underground, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so now with... This is kind of... There's kind of a connection between the two. Uh, I had you watch a Civilization scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, what'd you think of that? I thought that was a really interesting video. I thought it was pretty realistic to uh, what we know about technology in mm-hmm. our time currently, so... Yeah, I think... Um, that kind of helps the case or you can kind of use that as uh just like another point to prove the uh, end of history argument yeah um because according to a bunch of scientists were so the civilization rank is uh, for people that don't know it's ranked out of like type one civilization type two civilization type three civilization um some people are trying to add four and five but those are just like like so insane to even think about like type three civilization in itself is like really just like difficult to comprehend um like a civilization acting like that but according to the scale we're at a 0.86 type mm-hmm. um so we're not even at one uh one is you can control like your sun and uh you can use energy like we use energy from the sun every day mm-hmm. like we thrive on that and if the sun exploded we'd be fucked yeah. like we'd be done um and after you reach type one uh then you don't need this you don't rely on the sun anymore Mm -hmm. like you can use the sun to help you but you've already like got past that energy source and we're at 0.86 right now like i said and we have no signs of reaching type one anytime soon yeah right which is pretty crazy which is pretty crazy to me um and if again if we don't make any technological advancements like we're not gonna come close to reaching it anytime soon yeah from the way things have been going there really hasn't been anything even like that thinking about like actually using a star's energy like that yeah it's not even just like a saint to think about like we can just like take a star like we're like so fascinated by like shooting stars and everything imagine just like taking it and like using it it as energy yeah um pretty crazy to me um but uh, let's, let's talk about this a little bit, actually. Um, type 3 Civilization. Uh, okay. Did you watch anything else on that? No, um, I just watched that video. Okay, so there is, um, they believe, that's, the scientists believe that there is one Type 3 Civilization out there. Um, hmm. So they can't prove it or anything because, like... How would you? How would you? Um, and so they're so advanced that we, and we're so not advanced compared to them, like, yeah. that we don't have the technology to even prove if they're there. Yeah. But if you take a step back and look at the solar system as a whole and like the whole universe, like we've gotten so far, um, I don't know how many light years it is, but we've gotten so far, we can take pictures of things so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you've obviously seen a picture of a galaxy and there's like stars everywhere and yeah. like everything, but there is a segment where there is no, was this in the, was this in it the thing? It was in the video. Yeah. Okay. That I remember it. Yeah. So I watched a little thing else on it too. So there's a segment where it's just black. Yeah. And type three civilizations could take over complete galaxies and just take all of their um, energy. Yeah. And they believe that there's like 13 galaxies in there. Yeah. And it's just like a black hole and there's just like a sphere or like there's like encasing around it and mm-hmm. we can't penetrate it. I'm totally on board with that. Totally on board with it that. Totally, right? it, it makes sense. It yeah. makes sense. It's, in, it's insane to me. And some people would like argue like, oh, well, if they're type three, like why haven't they contacted us yet? It's like, why would you? Why would you want to contact a type 0.86 civilization? Yeah, and if they did, you should be worried because that means they're taking us over because they need more energy, right? So, like, (laughs) that's, um, yeah, I don't know. The civilization scale is pretty cool. It's made by a Russian guy, too, so Russia represent, you know? Uh, Russians actually have um, added a lot to society, even though... um, Space race. Space race, you know, that. uh, But just... um, with like literature, plays, like they, yeah. they found a ballet and everything. Mm-hmm. For a, a society that's pretty like oppressed as it is, they've given us a lot. They um, know what they're doing, kind of. Yeah, kind of. Like people know, but the government yeah. doesn't want yeah, them yeah, to yeah. do it. I talked about uh, the book I'm reading, Fedor Dostoevsky's The Idiot, earlier mm. um, in the thing. And it, I don't know, it's just pretty amazing to me that um, these guys are so intelligent in a oppressed society like that. Like, yeah. 
like who else do I have there that we could use for like the advancement of society, you know? Yeah. Now it's better, obviously, because, you know, um, people leave Russia. Like my neighbors yeah. are Russian. Pretty sick, right? Oh, they're cool. from Russia. Yeah, they're, it's awesome. <laughs> they always, I always hear them speaking Russian. Cool. And I'm always like, maybe one day I'll be able to understand what they say. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so that's pretty much all I got for you. Um, anything else you want to say? I think I'm all set. Okay. All right, awesome. So now, uh, to end the podcast, I have three final rapid-fire questions okay. for you. You can take as long as you want to answer them or as short as you want to answer them, but okay. I think they're pretty cool. So the first question I have for you is, who do you think will be hailed as the greatest person or people of our generation 100 years from now? Like, who do you think from our generation will be in the history books? <sighs> wow. Um like somebody our age currently or no. somebody famous right now so like somebody not famous, necessarily like, famous but yeah uh somebody like for example like kanye west is not in a history book like i just like don't know what it's like <laughs> like what they're gonna talk about um and i have a few other people that i'll say too honestly i think barack obama could be one of those people okay because of his level of fame and the fact that he is like still beloved by so many people right yep. now, even though he's not president and hasn't been for like three years. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely him. Uh, I would understand if you said Kanye West, but I don't think, I feel like he wouldn't be that big in like a history book. But type of thing. here's here's my reasoning behind it is like you you talk about like composers and stuff from like the 17th century and everything right that's, and he is like a musical a composer point. that's right? a fair point and music to be honest like and we still talk about, I I'd say in more history books than not like the Beatles should be in there yeah um and he in my opinion I bet Drake will be in there too yeah he uh, will be because if there's like hits. yeah if there's uh, a musical section I think that Kanye West is like the biggest name from um, like our, like generation. our generation of music mm-hmm. you know and like mm-hmm. continuing forward because of his influence and everything okay. so that's why I think it would be okay um, anyone else besides Barack Obama uh, sadly even though I hate him I think Tom Brady will definitely be talked about in the future um, okay if sports are still around that's uh, if football if football in, is in particular still around, yeah, right? yeah yeah I just think he's such a big name and like everyone pretty much knows him and like even if you went to a foreign country that like like Britain mm-hmm. you went there and you said Tom Brady people would know who you're sure. talking about. Sure. Um all right so I have three people in mind. Okay. Or three people. Donald okay. Trump will definitely be in history books. Oh yeah. Definitely yeah. be in history books. Agreed. Um then Jordan Peterson will be Oh. He definitely will be in history books. Okay. And Elon Musk. Oh, I totally forgot about Elon. I completely agree with you on Elon. I think, here's my thing. Like, you know how I talked about, um, I don't know if I talked about you or prior um, in my little segment. Um, People, especially in past history, a lot of the time they were hated at the time. Oh, yeah, you talked about, like, Aristotle Aristotle and everything. Mm -hmm. I think Jordan Peterson's that type. He's such a, like, a... I don't. I personally don't think he's controversial, but a lot of people do, mm-hmm. and I think that people will take that uh, into consideration later. Like they'll be like, he actually was a, such a pivotal character for our generation that mm-hmm. he is necessary to talk about like what he did and everything. Mm-hmm. So, I think uh, I think those three in particular. Okay. Uh, second one. What is the greatest musical album of all time, and why? <laughs> I already know your answer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, let's see. Of all time. Yes. Any uh, musical genre. Thriller, Michael Jackson. You think so? Give oh, me, yeah. Give me some reasons why. I just think it's so... Not only is it well-known, but it's just... It's an automatic classic. Sure. Like, everything you listen to on that album, you most likely know it. Sure. And, of course, the... Uh, title song itself everyone and their mom knows that song right. that's like absolutely cross world type of stuff and I think it was just so well made and I think it was really ahead of its time too sure. especially with the music videos mm-hmm. that had come out with it like the thriller music video itself was completely ahead of its time with all of its special effects and everything like that cool that I was actually not expecting that answer and that was I was good I like that <laughs> um, 
I I even think Michael Jackson will be in the uh, or he will definitely be in the musical section. Yeah. He yeah. he was such a pivotal character too for yeah music in general. Like everyone knows Michael Jackson. Yeah. And uh, just another thing about Kanye, like everyone knows Kanye West yeah. and Drake. I'd yeah. say too. So that's anyone where anyone where you can know or everyone knows his name, his or her name mm-hmm. will be in the history books. Yeah. You know, or like be talked about. Later. Yeah. All right, and the last question before we wrap it up is um, what is one place on the planet you would want to live for a minimum of two years, excluding the United States? Bali. Bali, why? I just think that place is beautiful. Cool. I want to I see what it's like. It's also very, like, natural. Yep. And I haven't really experienced a place like that yet mm-hmm. with where I've traveled. Um, yeah, so I know those land trips, man. Yeah, we, yeah. We're world travelers, guys. Yeah, so. you know, you know. <laughs> Not to brag. Yeah. <laughs> but I just think that place looks so cool, and mm-hmm. I feel like I could, like, throw my phone away for, like, two years and live there and yeah. just live in the moment and everything like that. That'd be awesome. It's actually pretty close to where I was going to say I want to live. I, I, I'm, I'm going to say Vietnam. Wow. Okay. Uh, Vietnam is just so like naturally beautiful to me. And I was at the Cape this weekend with my buddies. Mm-hmm. Um, and Josh was telling me about his four friends that are moving to Vietnam to become like English teachers wow, for a couple of years. Super cool. And I'm like, that is just like so cool to like, and yeah. like one of them like FaceTimed him while we were there. And he's like, yeah, I just like moved in. I've been here for two days. Wow. And I'm just like, wow, you're just like embarking on an awesome experience in your life like yeah. right now. Like that is yeah. just something that very few people are going to be able to experience and yeah. like that's awesome for you to be able to do that all right um so that's all i have for uh you guys today jack thanks for coming on it was a great no pleasure problem. talking to you no problem um you know hope you guys enjoy this and uh get ready for the next one